Yeah, so we have 54.2% of children in the U.S. 10-year-old data um, says that kids have either a physical or mental health problem. So what's a mental health problem? So if they're diagnosed with a clinical issue, could be what's called a neurodevelopmental disorder, like autism or ADHD, anxiety, depression, suicidal ideation. I do a lot of work with anxiety, OCD, complex layered behavioral problems like oppositional defiant disorder. And I specialize in a disease called PANS and PANDAS, which is a, a sudden onset of a mental health issue resulting from a physical, a medical problem, an infectious disease, or a toxic trigger. So, you know, it's got to be a diagnosed clinic, clinical issue, even though I work with people who just have stress because holy moly in this pandemic, Richard, people are overwhelmed and stressed out. I mean, those are the two words I'm hearing all the time. Overwhelmed, 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 you know, um, is a lot on people's plates. Heroes are an inspiring group of people, every one of them from the larger-than-life comic book heroes you see on the big silver screen, the everyday heroes that let us live the privileged lives we do. Every hero has a story to tell, from the doctor saving lives at your local hospital, the war veteran down the street who risked his life for our freedom, to the police officers and the firefighters who risk their safety to ensure ours. Every hero is special and every story worth telling. But there is one class of heroes that I think is often ignored. The entrepreneur, the creator, the producer, the ones who look at the problems in this world and think to themselves, you know what, I can fix that, I can help people, I can make a difference. Then they go out and do exactly that by creating a new product or introducing a new service. Some go on to change the world. Others make a world of difference to their customers. Welcome to The Hero Show. Join us as we pull back the masks on the world's finest heropreneurs and learn the secrets to their powers, their success, and their influence so you can use those secrets to attract more sales, make more money, and experience more freedom in your business. I'm your host, Richard Matthews, and we are on in three, two, one. Hey, hello and welcome back to The Hero Show. My name is Richard Matthews and I am live on the line today with Dr. Roseanne. Dr. Roseanne, are you there? I'm here. How are you? I'm doing well. So glad to have you here on the show. Um, and we were chatting just a little bit before we got on. Um, you said you were calling in from Connecticut, right? I am from Connecticut on the New York side in Fairfield County. Nice. Yeah, we were just up there um, or earlier. So for those of you who are following along on our podcast, we're actually on our way down south now. We are uh, in Virginia. I'm just on the side of the Chesapeake Bay. Um, but what I'm going to do real quick, Roseanne, is just do a very brief introduction before we get into your story. So people who don't know you can uh, you know, get an idea of where you're coming from. So Dr. Roseanne is an integrative and pediatric medical health expert. So you work with children's mental health issues and you are an author and a doctor. And do you run a practice as well? I do. I have a practice and I work um, with people in person in Ridgefield, Connecticut, but I also work with people virtually all over the world. Awesome. So what I want to start off with then is uh, what it is that you're known for, right? So essentially who you are, what, what you do, and you know who the people are that you help. Yeah. So, you know, I am a psychologist, a therapist, an author, a speaker, and really kind of a media personality because I've done hundreds of different types of media. And I am really known for natural solutions for mental health and more specifically kids' mental health. So, you know, we're already, we've been in a mental health crisis before the pandemic and now it's really uh, bad. I don't even know what else to say. It's bad. I mean, people are, we're, places are in crisis. You know, uh, Colorado just 
declared a mental health emergency, state of emergency. Um, and, you know, people are looking for solutions beyond medication and traditional talk therapy. And so I am really an expert. I've been doing this for 30 years and I help people reduce and reverse mental health issues using only science-backed holistic therapies. So my first question, and this is only because I have four kids who I legitimately think are crazy all the time. <laughs> what do you mean when you say mental health issues in children? Yeah. So we have 54.2% of children in the U.S., 10-year-old data um, says that kids have either a physical or mental health problem. So what's a mental health problem? So if they're diagnosed with a clinical issue, could be what's called a neurodevelopmental disorder, like autism or ADHD, anxiety, depression, suicidal ideation. I do a lot of work with anxiety, OCD, complex layered behavioral problems like oppositional defiant disorder. And I specialize in a disease called PANS and PANDAS, which is a, a sudden onset of a mental health issue resulting from a physical, a medical problem, an infectious disease, or a toxic trigger. So, you know, it's got to be a diagnosed clinic, clinical issue, even though I work with people who just have stress because holy moly in this pandemic, Richard, people are overwhelmed and stressed out. I mean, those are the two words I'm hearing all the time. Overwhelmed, 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 you know, um, is a lot on people's plates. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. And, you know, after sort of hearing that definition, I know none of my kids are in those categories. Yeah. They're just normal kid crazy. Um, yeah. And, they like to, uh, your kids are probably like my kids. Like they're, they, they, they're joyous. They, you know, yeah. they are independent spirited kids. Right. So, so my, my first, my, my second question, I guess, after sort of getting at a definition of what that is, is when, when does a parent know, like, what are the signs to know when you say, Hey, you know what I need to, like, this isn't normal for a child. Yeah. Right? Such um, a great, you know, for, like for me, I've got, I've got four kids. So like when one of them is doing something different, it's really easy to be like, that's not normal. Right. right. And I, we need to call we need to call a professional. Right. But not everyone is in a situation where they got four, you know, four a control group right at home. So, so like if they got one kid or they're new to this, um, like what, yeah. what are some of the signs that like, Hey, you know what, maybe something's off and we need to go seek help from a professional. Yeah. And more people during this time have sought out mental health treatment for the first time in their life, even adults. Um, and so we're becoming much more aware. So what are the signs? First of all, kids show us their difficulties with regulating their emotions or behaviors or attention. They're not going to tell us I'm, I'm sad. Um, I'm having obsessive thinking, intrusive thoughts. They're going to have physical signs. They're going to have sleep problems. They're going to have, I mean, you and your RV, you're going to know when one of your kid has a sleep problem. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> um, they're going to show changes in behavior in some way. Like maybe they were a quiet kid and all of a sudden they've become really hyper or vice versa. Um, they might have things like gastrointestinal distress, which is very, very common. Gastrointestinal issues and sleep problems are two of the biggest signs that your kid is struggling in some way. And it can be stress. So stress and like anxiety, for example, often look the same in the beginning. And, and you know, anxiety always comes with stress. And, and please know stress is perceived 
um, or real. Um, and it, your brain, your nervous system just has to interpret it as a stressor. You can be living a beautiful life in a great neighborhood and have, you know, a mom and a dad and safety and your kid can be a distressed, a kid that's easily distressed and it's occurring more and more. So the signs and symptoms you're looking for are physical signs, changes in behaviors. And, you know, sometimes Richard, some kids just come out wired is being very difficult. Like, moody, um, snarky, you know, always say no, very oppositional. And it can be a sign of, um, it could be temperament, but it also can be a good indicator that there's a clinical issue there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my, my next sort of just sort of like follow-up question on that is like my, um, uh, I want to find out if, if the issues like mental issues go all the way down to things like, uh, dyslexia and like my minor issues like that, like, um, and so it can be cognitive issues and learning issues like dyslexia, you know, um, my youngest is dyslexic and does incredibly well because we never did traditional schooling with him. So he never was forced to be something he's not. So he didn't, wasn't forced to read when he wasn't ready. Um, and he was able to, um, be in a place where they honed in on his strengths, which he's a gifted hands-on engineering kind of brain. Yeah. So he was in a place where you could do that. And, and, and a lot of like homeschoolers that. can create that. So yes. And dyslexia, very, very common. It's actually the number one most common characteristic of millionaires um, is that they are dyslexic and 40% of us businesses are owned by a dyslexic. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. And I just, the reason I ask is because I was like, it, when you were talking about mental health issues, I was like, I, we think, we don't know that our oldest daughter might have a little bit of dyslexia. And that's only because she was struggling a little bit at the beginning of reading. She's getting better at it. And we started switching to putting like her worksheets and all of her other stuff. They have um, dyslexic fonts and my wife makes all of her own curriculum stuff for the kids and putting in dyslexic fonts made it easier for her to like see the differences in the letters. Um, which might just be early reading stuff, but it might also be dyslexia, yeah. but she's also very hands-on kind of child. So I don't know. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to tell point. you. One of those benefits of yeah. Well, here's the deal, Richard. I'm going to tell you this because I actually used to specialize in assessing dyslexia. Um, kids have early reading problems. There's a problem. So, um, and there's really only a few reasons why they're going to have early reading problems. So one would be improper instruction, which doesn't happen that often, right? Um, But two, it's because their brain isn't properly interpreting the sounds so that they can't map it to the letters. Um, Dyslexia is so common. Uh, 80% of kids who receive special education have a literacy goal. And dyslexia is also totally hereditary. So you can have it in your family. You have it in any line of your family. My mom has has dyslexia. and. And so my, she's dyslexic. She's yeah. dyslexic. So, and my, uh, my wife's that. dad is dyslexic. Yeah, it's there. And it, <laughs> in, in, uh, it's very likely that uh, one of your other kids will have it too. One of your younger kids. So um, just a free piece of advice to there's a homeschooling dyslexia reading programs. It's called Barton, B-A-R-T-O-N. So go and get it. Yeah, definitely. Because I, I know it's one of the things that She's, she's gotten to the point now she's, she's reading her own chapter books and whatnot because yeah. we were able to really, you know, help her with, with the struggle she had a couple of years ago when she was uh, an early reader. Um, but 
Um, and I just know it, it wasn't as much of a struggle for older brother. Um, so right. like it might be a dyslexic thing. So we started, we started following sort of down that path. Um, and you know, she's doing really well with it. Um, and she reads well, she reads to her sisters now, which is cool. Um, and it's funny cause like the more I've actually learned about it, I think I might have small bits of dyslexia, yeah. mostly with numbers, um, where I'll transpose numbers wrong. Um, and not notice it until after I've like hit the call button. I'm like, oh, I transposed a couple of numbers, but, um, yeah, it's, well, there's it's, levels. A, it's you know, yeah. there's levels. So, you know, I definitely married into a family of dyslexics, but they would never call themselves dyslexics. They're all high intellectually gifted people and they're all engineers, but they're all bad spellers. And there's no reason they're bad spellers. So that is really, I was like, oh, and then my little guy, you know, he was really pretty severe. So um, we only did um, the, the, there's a prescription for dyslexia and it, it remediates it 95 to 97% of the time. And it's using kinesthetic learning. So it's really fascinating because, um, you know, I have worked with people of all different income levels, but I've definitely worked with a ton of entrepreneurs and, you know, and, and they can have extraordinary amounts of wealth and they'll bring their kid in and they're like, I have dyslexia too, just like you, you know, and they're so creative. So, so many business people are dyslexics because their mind is so creative. Um, and yeah. And they tend to have a higher IQ than normal. So they're smart and they're creative. And, and if you're nurtured and cultivated, you know, they can be so successful. It's just really hard in traditional schooling to be dyslexic today because it's often missed and kids then yeah. start to develop self-esteem problems because they're so smart. They can memorize words without reading them, without understanding the phonics code, but you can't escape yeah. the phonics. You have to know how to sound out words. We, uh, that was one of our first indicators with our child was we'd read her, read her something and she'd just memorize it and read it back yeah. to you. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, it's always just so interesting and it's, to it's one of the most treatable conditions, um, that kids have. And, and sadly what happens is like, if my John Carlo was left, right. And he was in a public school, he would start feeling terrible about himself. Like every day I get kids who have anxiety and depression because they weren't identified early and learning is yeah. such a challenge for them. So reading it's, unlocks it's learning. You know, it's such an interesting thing just since we're, we're on the discussion of, of homeschooling um, yeah. and being able to take care of things like, you know, dyslexia is a fairly minor mental health struggle. Um, but one of the things that we've noticed is like we get asked all the time, like, oh, how do you socialize your kids? Right. Because they're homeschooled. And we get asked oh, yeah. that all the time. Like probably the number one question we get asked. You're number not socializing one question. your kids. And yeah. I'm like, yeah, all the time. And I'm like, we've, we've been homeschooled now for seven or eight years, however long our kids been in school. It's been a long time. Um, and my son um and we we because we travel full-time we have this really weird thing that like during the week all the kids that we hang out with are other homeschooled kids right because they're the ones that are in the parks that we're at and other um and then on the weekends you get all the public school kids who come in and you get to interact with them so we get to see public school kids and homeschool kids just on and off all the time so we have a really like really clear picture and i've noticed some very clear differences in their social skills um, oh, holy moly, Richard, are there clear differences? The, the homeschool kids tend to have incredible social skills um, yes. because they're, they're interacting yeah. with people all, all over the spectrum, right? They're interacting with, with, you know, elders in the, in, in our, in the, 
in the community and they're interacting with the other kids and they're interacting with adults and they're interacting with like everyone, right? Because they're just sort of part of life. And we get the uh, the kids from public school and not like they're mean or they're misbehaved or anything. A lot of times they're well-behaved, but they just, they don't have the same level of social ability because most of their interactions are with other kids the same age. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and they have, they, they have like also, one adult relationship. Their play is different. Right. Yeah. So um, homeschoolers are, I don't know how to characterize it, but I, mm-hmm. I would call it meaner. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> we're not enculturating kindness in the world, not in 2021. As somebody no. cut me off getting no, on the ramp today and flipped me the bird. I was like, you cut me off. Like, why are you flipping me the bird? It was so funny with my kid. It was hysterical. But um, they're homeschoolers because there's time, right? So, so let's just get this clear. It takes one to two hours of homeschooling, the instruction to equal the amount of learning in a six hour school day. Okay. So one to two hours of direct instruction equals six hours in a school day. Okay. So what does that mean? Our, you know, homeschoolers have time for play. So they are, doing creative play. They're, they're doing play that we did when we were kids. You know what I mean? They're, they're playing, you know, making stuff out of nothing. Like I can't even have enough tape, you know, at home with my kids because they just are always making something right, Richard. It's like the number one requested item. You got a box and some tape and, you know, it's pretty cool. So yeah. And paper. Yeah, and Lots paper. Of paper. Lots of paper, lots of paper and arty stuff. And and they just do things differently. They have time to do that kind of, it's free play. And so with free play comes problem solving and creativity. And so, you know, public school kids are used to structured play. And, and I'm saying this, you know, as somebody who's done a lot of observations with, with you know, kids on who go to public school. And we're not saying they're less than. We're just pointing out differences, right? Different. And I believe that there's the right kind of school for everybody and everyone's got to make the right choice for themselves. Like there's no bad, bad school, but there, there could be a a learning environment. that's not right for your child. Right. So, um, and so, you know, when you, you think about, you know, how they, how they learn and culturate and, you know, kids today, I mean, what are they, they are, they were a reflection of their parents and parents are stressed and they're not so nice. That you is, know, that is probably, I, I, I said the word meaner earlier, but yeah. when you think about it, like what, when, you, when you're like looking back and like my watching my kids interact, the kids that come out of public school seem stressed. And when they end up, you know, in the campgrounds with us and the other kids, yeah, they're blowing off steam. Yeah. Um, but also too, like, the role modeling, you know, the, the, the lady had a, kids in her car today that flipped me the bird. You know what I mean? Like it's that same kind of intensity, you know, they don't, they don't have, um, they don't know how to self-regulate Richard because they're not given the same opportunity. Play is a way for kids to learn how to regulate. Right. And if we want our kids to be successful in any area in life, social, academically, uh, work-wise in the future, they have to learn how to regulate their nervous system and play is a key you know, factor in that. What's really fascinating about that is one of the things that we talk about on this show all the time, because it's something I've had to learn as an adult, because I, I grew up in public school and I I, yeah. I connect with what you just said a lot is that I, I had to change one of my mindsets and that because um, it's something that you're taught in school is that play is a reward for work well done. But in the real world, 
play and rest as a requirement for doing good work. Um, and you have to flip that script in your head and you have to really understand that like, hey, you have to give yourself permission to play. Give yourself permission to go on the walk with your dog or go outside and roll in the mud with your kids or do those things and realize that, that when, you, when you come back from recreation um, is when you can do your best work. Uh, yeah. And yeah. You, you know, it's all, I'm, you know, I'm the brain lady, right? And I, I, everything I do is neuroscience informed. I wrote this book called, it's my latest book is called, it's going to be okay. And it has 40 pages of research in it, single spaced. Okay. And I don't mess around because I want people to know like things are, there's a lot of science back things that are safe and natural and can really change things and even reverse symptoms and issues. And so that's often shocking to people. Like it's, I have to talk them out of taking a medication. Like they're, they're ready to go down the pill, you know, train, you know, um, pathway instead of being like, Oh, let me try some medication. Oh, I'm, it's not going to work. And I'm like, well, hold on. There's a lot of research. And you know, the basis of all this is that we've dysregulated nervous systems. Right. And, and, you know, I know there's a lot of entrepreneurs that listen to this and, you know, I think that it's really interesting. Like I, I'm on clubhouse a lot and, you know, in the beginning I would just be in these rooms and they would all talk about wait I was doing this, I was doing that. And I had to learn that I had to go to therapy. I had to learn that I had to do breath work. I had to learn, I had to do biofeedback. Like they, in the end, they pushed, pushed, just like what you're saying, Richard. And then they realized, well, I'm not able to be my best self and my brain doesn't work well. And I can't achieve financially, emotionally, socially. I can't achieve at the levels I want to, if I don't calm myself down a little bit and feel good in my body. And, and, and that's what that getting your nervous system from a stressed out sympathetic dominant to a relaxed parasympathetic state. That's what it does. And, you know, kids are masters at being able to get in there and do that. It's when we start pushing them to these unattainable things, you know, having a first grader write a paragraph. That's just crazy. That's crazy. That's like not developmentally appropriate, but somehow in the last 10 years, we've decided it. You know what I mean? (laughs) Um, I remember a teacher coming up to me and, uh, you know, I, I've done, I still do a lot of consulting work for, for schools. And this was a shipipu school. I like to call it. And she said, look at this handwriting. And I was like, I knew she was a preschool teacher. And I said, how old is this kid? And she said, four. She's like, this is a real problem. I said, he's four years old. He's not supposed to be writing his name. And he is writing his name. And it's normal for his handwriting to not be so great. And she was like, well, the other kids can do it. And I'm like, oh, here we go. You know, it's like we, we have to readjust and remember what kids, I mean, this year, I think a silver lining is that people are like, wait, I better take care of my mental health. Like I feel awful. I'm not enjoying life. Um, you know, I'm not celebrating little moments. I'm not being present for my kids, you know? One of the, uh, one of the things that cracks me up about my, my children is I've got an 11 year old. He's my, my boy and his handwriting, um, is just the worst. Um, and it'll He's probably be, be a doctor, Richard. That's right. He's our, we already know um, it. You know, I haven't, I haven't, uh, he, he hasn't yet. Hopefully he's not close enough to hear this. Yeah. Um, he hasn't realized yet that he's smarter than me and I hope he doesn't anytime soon. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but so, and then there's my daughter, um, and she is she's seven and she will like when she's writing her name or something like that if her circle for her that she's got an o in her name if the circle's not perfect she'll cry and erase it and start over again 
And she's like, and her handwriting is just perfect. And I'm like, I can't even write as good as my daughter can write. And I can't color in between the lines as well as she can. <laughs> just cracks me up how different they are. Oh, I mean, and they come out who they are. And we, you know, we have to celebrate and hone in on our kids' strengths, you know? And your daughter, she puts pressure on herself, right? She's got that perfectionist tendency. You've got to watch that and balance that because you want a little have, bit of anxiety is good, but a lot when it's told have, you back um, is a problem. We have a, we have a lot of, uh, a lot of work we have to do with her on that, um, on the whole idea that, uh, you know, it's because she'll stress herself out and then not want to try. Yeah. Um, and we, so we have, we have a lot of little things like, like it's, you know, it, it's okay to get things wrong. Yes. Um, it's not, it's not okay to not try. Um, right. And cause she's like, she'll be afraid of getting something wrong. So she just won't do anything. Um, yeah. and I've been trying to show her a lot with like, you know, my life and my business is like, you know, in order for us to succeed growing our business, we basically have to fall on our face a lot. Right. Absolutely. You have to be yeah. comfortable with imperfection. Like, you know, yeah. I, I wrote four books in the first four months of the pandemic. Let me tell you, don't email me that there's a typo in there. Cause I don't really care. <laughs> <laughs> Cause I'd like to see you write one book. Okay. And, and you know, that propensity for people like in the entrepreneur space, like there's so much about imposter syndrome and mindset. And, you know, I hang out with some really famous, well-known people and, um, and I, I'm in this, you know, a great business mastermind and really well-known people in there. And the first time I was like, are we really having our first meeting about mindset, about money? Like you are, can't accept that you're making money. And I spent the whole day and I listened and I learned some, actually some good, some good um, money saving tips, but I got up and said, I'm just going to say this to you. I was raised to not have any concern about making money and there you're, it's holding you back and you know it. And it's all about these belief systems within ourselves. And, and there's so many things that fear, you know, we make 70% of all decisions are based on fear and we make 35,000 decisions a day. Wow. 35,000. So 70% of them is to avoid something. Right. And, you know, it doesn't matter. Like parents come to me all the time. Like they'll have this genius kid and he's in college and they're like, Oh, but he won't do this. They won't do that. Cause it's always worry. It's always anxiety. And you asked like, how do you notice these things in your kids? Well, most people aren't connecting the dots until somebody's a young adult, even it takes 11 years from the onset of a problem on average before somebody gets prop a proper mental health help in the United States. And that may be shocking, but I'm going to tell you that's totally typical because some of the most anxious people, people with OCD struggling with depression, suicidal thoughts, they could be stellar employees, students, and they're just putting all their energy in that performance component and they're not finding that way to feel comfort within their own body and their own mind and feel good about themselves. And so they crash and burn, they hit a wall, but anxiety and fear over perfectionism is definitely one of the biggest Achilles heels for any business person, because you have to be comfortable with your mess and just yeah. doing it, you know? Yeah. And I know I struggle with that all the time um, about perfectionism and wanting to get over it. And I've learned a lot of tools 
Um, hopefully I'll be able to help my, uh, my daughter get over it as well. Um, I do, I do have uh, a couple, I want to ask a couple of other questions and move sure. on. Um, and I want to talk a little bit about um, your superpowers, right? And we talk on this show all the time. Every, every uh, hero has a superpower, whether that's, you know, a fancy flying suit made by genius intellect or, you know, the ability to call down thunder or super strength or something like that. In the real world, heroes have what I call a zone of genius, which is either a skill or a set of skills that you were born with or you developed over the course of your life um, that really help you help the people in your life slay their villains, right? And come out on top in their journeys. And if you really like think about it, you can take, you know, all the skills that you've developed over your life. There's probably a common thread that ties them all together. Um, and with that sort of framing, what do you think your superpower is in your practice and in your business? Well, I'm going to say, I think I have quite a few superpowers. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and they are tied oh, together. The superpowers out of other people. Yeah, no, exactly. Ooh, wouldn't that be a great superpower? And, you know, my kid asked me this like every day. He asked me, what's your favorite superpower? Um, I'm going to say that this superpower is tied to my ability to do what I do. Um, And really, it's to not give a crap what people think. And so I was enculturated, raised to um, be myself and only do what was authentic and right and when you are empowered to have a voice, boy, does it just like open a lot in the world. It, it also can cause some friction in the world because I was like this at two. You know, I'd be like, what are you doing? You shouldn't be saying that. You better be nice. I just saw you steal that. Put it back, you know. And what it did for me is that when I got into mental health 30 years ago this year, um, I it was unacceptable to me that people were struggling and we didn't have solutions. And I was like, what do you mean? We only have pills and talk therapy, you know, (laughs) back then. I was like, let me go down to the basement of the library and look on the microfiche. And sure enough, it just opened up the door to uh, so many other things that I was not being taught. So I said, I am absolutely going to be the solution finder. I am that person that everybody comes to, unfortunately, when they're out of hope, when they've tried psychiatric medications a dozen times, when their kid is about to go to a psych hospital or their kid flunked out of college because they're suicidal, whatever it is. I become that person because I said, no, this is unacceptable. Let me go to the research. I'm very inquisitive. I'm a fact finder. Let's look at the data. And and I'm really, really good at synthesizing, right? You know, what I do, there's a lot of science, but there's an art behind it. And so I can't, there isn't a person that I can't help. The only time I can't help somebody is when they get in the way of their own success. So they're, they're, I'm a master at getting to what's behind and really those root causes and unwinding and creating change in behavior. So that, the thing that's that my pops up in my head, and I'm, I'm curious if this is how true this is, um, but one of the things I've found is um, I started working with a <clears throat> health coach a couple of years ago now um, and really getting my health in line. I wasn't unhealthy. Um, but I wanted to be like top notch, um, and started working on, you know, getting, you know, to the best physical fitness that I could be in. Um, yeah. and, and he started with a lot of like really crazy stuff, like, like you know, 
clean your liver, clean your gut, clean parasites. Yeah. Um, and like all, all those things. Um, and he's like, and then we can start because once you get that, that stuff, then you can start working on physical fitness. And then uh, we're working on like hormone treatments and not a lot like treatments, but like figuring how to make sure your hormone, your body is doing what it's supposed to do um, all the time. One of the things that I've noticed is that my ability to, um, I don't know what the, the appropriate words are, but like ideation ability and yeah. cognitive ability and ability to think and your clarity and your focus, all of that has improved mm -hmm. with my health. So yeah. I'm curious, does it go the other direction that when you're ending up with disorders, yes. that a lot of that is coming down to your physical health? Absolutely. And, you know, my book, it's going to be okay. You know, it really lays out my 30 years worth of work and, um, you know, not everybody can come and not everybody can come to work with me in person or even work with me virtually for a variety of reasons. Right. Um, and so I lay out the eight pillars of mental health and it's still shocking to people that what you put in your mouth, what you put in your body really affects how your brain works. And, and as frightened as people are as making dietary changes or adding supplements because you have genetic mutations that interfere with how your liver detoxifies and these kind of things. So it's just one of the most yeah, common yeah. things, right? You've learned that, right? So um, I, I, I got a, I got a whole thing that was like how my body processes, like all the different things. Yeah. And it was like, like my body doesn't process. Um, I think it's zinc. Yeah. Um, or vitamin E. Like, you're, like, I just don't have the genetic whatever that makes my body process those things. And he was like, he's like, so you can't supplement vitamin E and you can't supplement zinc and what you don't process them well. So you need to get those benefits from other areas. And it's like, like, who knew, right? Who knew? Who knew? <laughs> and so, you know, it's when I work with people, right, it's definitely multi-pronged approach because you know, we look in for the magic wand, right? I actually have a magic wand on my desk and I whip it out at every intake because people come in thinking there's one thing. And, and so it's, you didn't get there. It didn't happen overnight. You're going to take some time. There's pieces, but the great part of that, instead of being like, oh my God, I have five things Dr. Rowe told me to do. No, it's like, oh my God, I have five things that can help me, right? We've got to sh shift that inner dialogue, but what, there's so many physical things going in, on within our body that actually really impact our mental health. The good marketing from pharma has made you believe that everything is biochemical. And what I'm here to tell you is that genetics is probably the least likely thing that I see as a mental health cause. What I'm seeing is, you know, poor diet chronic stress, you know, and for kids, you know, chronic stress, you know, what does that look like? It could be, you know, it could have been your son being forced to be in a public school and not identified and constantly being behind, right. And that kind of pressure could have met one of the kids I'm working with. He was ridiculed by the other kids. He's the smartest kid in that damn class, but his output didn't match his intelligence. Right. So, um, and so here he is coming to me and I'm not sharing anything private because this is a common story. Here he is coming to me as a teenager and he's suicidal, you know, um, and his parents are lovely, you know, and so we're able to turn things around, but, but so many things can impact our mental health beyond biochemistry and genetics. And people need to hear that because it means there's so much we can do to reduce and reverse symptoms. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, speaking from uh, someone who I didn't, I wasn't in a mental, you know, like having a problem with anything. Yeah. You were just I, optimizing. You were biohacking. 
yeah, biohacking and like saw dramatic improvement in things that I wasn't expecting to see mm-hmm. improvements with, which was funny because like the, the guy that I was working with that I still work with was like, hey, you're going to start seeing improvements in these areas. Um, and I was like, I was like, yeah, right. Right. Because I didn't believe any of that. I was like, yeah. I just want to get I just want to get fit. I want to be able to keep up with my son as he becomes a teenager. Yeah. Um, and he's like, there's and- other, there's other benefits. And I was like, yeah, whatever. But you know, you see it happen and you're like, oh, wow. Like I can wow. twice as um, much work done in the same so amount many, of time. <laughs> so many of the parents that come, you know, come in, right. And I work with adults too, but kids are my passion. And, and uh, so many of the parents are like, holy moly, this kid's never focused like this. Can I do this too? And I'm like, absolutely. We're going to do this. We're going to clean up your diet, but we use neurofeedback, which really gets you to another level. I mean, everyone always says to me, like, how is it possible that you do so many things and you can write these books and you can do that? And I'm like, I I'm paleo. So I eat real clean. Um, and so I'm eating high nutrient dense food. Um, so I'm getting a lot of nutrients just from what I eat, but you know, I exercise, I practice gratitude and joy every day. And I've done a boatload of neurofeedback and neurofeedback is, is a way to get your brain to regulate and really optimize. It's something that all the astronauts are mandated to do to, before they go to space, all the major athletes do it. And it just gives you a clarity and a focus and a lightning speed to your processing. Um, I always say that, like, again, I I'm clearly intelligent. I got a doctorate, but there's intelligence and then there's lightning speed processing. And, and that what it does is it changes the neural connections and the pathways. So um, it's a pretty, there's so much more in the world for people and it's accessible. There's things people can do. Yeah. Yeah. And it, you have, you have a tremendous amount of potential in this you know, body we were, we were given. Um, and when you really learn how to fix your health, you can do a lot. Yeah. Um, And these are all anti-aging things. So these are things that I use all the time to address clinical issues, regardless of age, dysfunction. These are, there's no way you can improve to some degree with these things. Um, The degree of improvement is unique to each person, but these are also the same tools that we use for anti-aging. Like, why is it that like um, Jane Fonda is like looking amazing in her eighties besides her facelifts? But she's eating super clean. She's exercising. She does meditation. You know, she's really treating her body like a temple and she's physically and cognitively active. You know, it's really important. So we're going to be living a lot longer. We want to live with a super high quality. Yeah. Yeah. And I I hear some of the technology that's coming out nowadays. Um, They're saying, and this, this might actually lead right into some of the stress too, Yeah, is I was talking to someone else on our podcast, um, just probably a few weeks ago now, and they were talking about, um, the technology's impact on learning that kids today are learning at 10 X, the speed and volume of kids 20 years ago. Um, and they were like, and that's only going to get faster. Um, and higher volume as technology, like, like they're, they're, they were talking some of the stuff that they're getting into um, with, um, I, they're calling it edutech and fintech and some of those things where, where it's, it's almost to the point where they can plug into your brain and download Kung Fu like the Matrix. Yeah. Um, but like that kind of stuff is happening and people are learning more and learning faster and having to keep up with the change and all those things. And I think, you know, it, it leads to the kind of stress that you're talking about, I think, but it's also well, like problem, part of the world. You know, your guest is right to a point, 
but with over 50% of kids having issues with physical and mental health, they're not learning at the same rate because they're, they're not treating their bodies like a temple where we're giving our kids poor quality food. I mean, lunches and school are like filled with terrible food. Kids are not sleeping enough. We're not getting to those pillars. I mean, I talk all this about this in my book, it's going to be okay. You know, we have to think about the pillars of physical and mental health. And so in order to learn at lightning speed, okay, which is what I talked about, you got to treat your body like a temple. Right. I, I'm going to tell you that I literally have had many, many occasions where I have almost like an instantaneous download where I do a certain training or people are like, how is it possible that you just got that? And, I, and I'm telling you, I'm in a room with people uh, that are MDs and, you know, these are not slackers. You know what I mean? And it's really because yeah. of the functional approach that I take, the, the really clean diet stress management. So when we are hyper stress activated and your nervous system is in that sympathetic dominant state, our frontal lobes go offline. We are not capable of taking in language, paying attention or taking action in the same way because of primitive reflexes. Our brain takes its resources. It goes offline and it's trying to find a stressor. It will ignore your regular job. It will ignore what the body's supposed to do. So we're not, and we saw this in the pandemic because we saw all these kids. I've never seen more kids struggle with focus and motivation ever. So I agree that there's amazing ways for kids to learn and, and you can get learning in any way, shape or form. Now, like kids can watch videos, they can participate in things, they can be in classrooms, they can have hands-on experiences, but you got to have the right gas in your Ferrari for it to work properly. And it doesn't, you know? So one of the things that, uh, um, I've always, uh, it's always sort of bothered me is like, I know kids, for instance, they're like, they come out with a clean slate most of the time. Right. Um, you know, unless they have, have, have some, some issue genetically or, you know, or a birth trauma, which is very common. Yeah. Birth trauma. Like for the most part, kids, they come out, they come out healthy. And so like, when you see the kids come out, like my, my son is fit. Um, and he's fit because he's a kid and he is yeah. like, there's no, he hasn't had a lot of time to mess it up yet. Um, and so one of the things that I, that's always bothered me is when you see, um, see some of the young, you know, some of his, his friends or people that we meet that aren't fit. And I'm like, if they're not fit, cause it fits their natural state. Right. Um, and it means, it means they're, they're, that, that they're not getting the good food, right. They're not, yeah. they're not being active. Right. Cause like, we don't do anything special for our kids to be fit. They just, you're just you know, active. Home you're just, you're like, get and out they, and play. play. Right. Yeah. Just go outside and play. Like, so, so, you know, when they're, if that's the default state, when they're not that way, you're like, they're not, they're not getting the opportunities they could have. Yeah. Um, so well, I don't know, I mean, I, I don't know how, are, how you fix it. It's, 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 it's a problem we have in, yeah. our, in our culture. I mean, I think first of all, people have to have an awareness. Like people are like, you're going to tell me I'm not going to have sugar and, and this and that. And I'm like, listen, there's no nutritional value in sugar. Like you're giving your kids sugar, you know, it was an eye opener to me. We, we love going to Disney world. I haven't gone in a long time. And one year we did an annual pass and we went uh, a total of 29 days over four trips. It was a good time. And, um, 
And so, you know, we always stay in the fancy ones, but one day we had to fly in early and we didn't, and we had to go one night and it was shocking to me because the food was completely different. They were serving Pepsi at breakfast and then they were serving like total junk. And I was like, I was so naive, you know? And then, you know, there's places where there's food deserts, like people have a hard time accessing, you know, quality food. And, you know, I spent a lot of time educating, like you got to give your kids protein. If, if that means hot dogs are the only type of food you have or canned tuna, we'll start, start there. You know what I mean? It costs the same as it does as a bag of Cheetos people, you know what I mean? So like, People often balk about the cost, but junk food is expensive too. So, and then there's ramifications and you need more junk food to fill up because when you eat protein and fats and vegetables, you're going to need less of it to fill up. Um, unless you have growing teenagers, God help us all. But <laughs> every teen, one of my teens. I'm going to have a teenager shortly and he's, He's on the verge. Like some days he's like, I don't want to eat anything. And other days he's like, he'll eat three times as much as I do. And I'm like, I know it's scary, right? Yeah. But it's so important. You, you know, kids need to be physically active and, you know, this was hard, a hard year on kids because they had to do so much seated learning um, with virtual learning. And, and there wasn't an opportunity or they're not used to free play and they didn't know how to do free play, how to do a lot of work in the beginning of the pandemic about teaching parents how to get their kids to play independently. They just weren't used to it. And parents would say, go and play. And you can say that because your kids know how to, but they had to actually back it up and sit down with them and show up to them activities that they could do on their own. One of the things that I found really helpful for um, when we're going around is if you have a kid who knows how to free play, you just stick them in the group like my son's that way. Yeah. And then he'll take he'll it over. All the kids all, he'll take over and, and have them doing things. I know. Isn't it awesome? I watch it all the time with the homeschoolers. It's really pretty cool. I remember when we were exclusively homeschooling, my kid would be like, these are a bunch of public school kids. They don't know how to play. And I'm like, just organize activity, you know? Teach them. <laughs> yeah. I, I I started off young with them when we, we'd go to the park and, and he'd be like, what do I do? And I was like, go find all the other kids to play with. And like, by the end of the afternoon, he's got like all the kids gathered up playing a, you know, yeah. playing a game of tag together. Something. Yeah. Uh, tag's always so, a good one. Yeah. Tag. The, at this point, I've realized there's lots of variations on the game of tag um, that they've come up with. So there is. Um, <laughs> I didn't know all about. So oh I want to. They're wanna, always wanna, like, oh, we did this. I'm like, what is that? And now I go, it's a form of tag, right? And they're like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there's like there's like virus tag and there's like zombie tag and there's like oh yeah, zombie tag. tag. We do zombie apocalypse a lot yeah, in our yeah. house. Yeah. Um, and there's uh, like one of the ones I played as a kid, sardines, but they have a different name for it now. Um, where sardines. like one person Don't goes and buys and everyone helps one find them. Yeah. So it was you know it's it's always fun. They come up with different stuff. Um, and now of course all the tag games, whoever's winning is doing Fortnite dances when they win. So and. <laughs> Gotta bring that in. Yeah, that's important <laughs> nowadays. So I wanna I wanna shift and talk about the the flip side of your superpower, right? So if your superpower is one side of the coin, the other side of that coin is the fatal flaw, right? Yeah. So just like every Superman has his kryptonite or Wonder Woman has her bracelets of victory she can't remove without going mad. Um, I think we all have our kryptonite 
and something you struggled with in your business. For me, it was a couple of things. I mentioned this already. I struggled with perfectionism a lot um, as an entrepreneur um, and had to learn how to overcome that. Um, kept me from shipping products. Um, and I also struggled with lack of self-care, which wasn't just health stuff, but also um, I didn't have good boundaries with my clients and I let them walk all over me and struggled with things like that and not, not you know, not having, knowing my own value. Um, so, um, but I think more important than what the flaw is, is how have you worked to rectify it? So our audience might learn a little bit from your experience. Yeah. I mean, you know, I have truly been very lucky in that I am a second generation entrepreneur. So my dinner conversations every day was a college course in entrepreneurship. And um, so I was able to be successful just right out of the gate. And, you know, what are some things that I have, you know, learned and, and have got, gotten in the way? And I think just understanding. So I think one of the hardest things for me to understand is that not everybody was ready for getting better. And my logical mind was like, how is that possible? How is that possible? How is that possible? Well, sometimes people don't like change. And I think that is a, a lesson in itself that it's hard for people to change, whether it's your employees or your customers and helping to soften change for people is been something that has been very helpful for me. So I am so logical, right? And and yet so heart-driven, I just go with the flow. Like I'm, I'm the person you want leading a, a sh- ship, right? Like I'm the captain of ship in a storm because I'm cool as a cucumber. But most people can't tolerate change. So helping to prepare people before, whether again, whether it's an employee or a client, his definitely been something I've worked on, have learned, have, have realized you need to get drips of it. You need to paint the picture. You need to have conversations. And ultimately in the end, you know, every time I've done a shift in business, every time I do a big shift, I'm going to lose an employee and you need to be prepared for that. And you need to be okay with that. Um, and in the beginning, that was so hard, Richard, but people are so scared of change that they would rather leave a fabulous thing for uncertainty. And um, so just being prepared for people's reactions to change um, is something that I continue to evolve and work on. So one of the things that strikes me about that is I know, because uh, I'm, I'm the same way, I'm similar to you in that like, yeah. You know, I'm the kind of person that's like, you know, my wife and I um, arranged our own marriage and got married. We've been together for 12 years. And like, I dropped out of college to start a business. And like, we moved our business from one side of the country to the other and sold everything we owned and moved into an RV. And like, we're working on a sailboat. So like, change is like, just life. Like, I, I yeah. no problem at all with any of that. And it just, you just do it um, and move forward. But not everyone is like that. Not everyone is no. uh, at this point. You know, not everyone's as crazy as we are. Um, so one of the things that I've no- noticed helps um, when I'm either talking to other people um, or working with my staff or anything like that, or talking to clients who I'm like, you know, because one of the things that I do is I'm helping them change their business. Yeah. Um, and so they have to shift things is um, I have, I have this mental picture I use with people that I call the, uh, the crocodile infested river. Um, right. And so you're on one side of the crocodile infested river and you want to change. You want to get something to the other side. You want to live in the promised land, which is on the other side of the crocodile infested river. 
And I've noticed if you spend your time teaching and talking about the stuff that has to happen in order for the change to go on, like that's all the stuff that's in the, in the going across the river, right? You have to change your diet and you have to do these things and you have to do whatever, whatever is on the path of, you know, it's the crocodiles in the river, right? Um, if you talk about the crocodiles in the river, people don't want to, they don't want to cross the river. Um, so I have to spend more time talking about what life looks like after they've already you gotta paint the picture. You have to get into the promised land. What does your life look like once this is already done? Yeah. Um, On the other side of the change. Yeah. And that's the only thing that helps motivate people to want to cross the river. But ultimately, Richard, what I've learned is that some people are so scared of the change. They would rather keep pushing the crocodile away instead of going over trying to get across and and it's never about anything you offer it's never anything about you it's always about them and some people aren't ready for me a healing journey you know even though they show up on my door and i used to be like what can i say what can i do and and yes i paint the picture i do all that but when it comes to having had a problem for a long time some people can't, are scared. And, you know, they think yeah. there's going to be one Sometimes thing, a magic there's thing. Comfort. There's comfort. There's comfort in, there's comfort in, in chaos I know for this people. Problem. Yeah. I know this problem. I understand everything that's yeah. about it. And I don't know what life looks like. And you, you touched on this earlier when you're talking about your mastermind group, that a lot of times you get into, um, you get to the point where you're like, suddenly you're successful. Like, you know, mm-hmm. especially, you know, you grow your business and you work hard and you're working your ass off and you're always broke and you're always putting your money back into the business. And then suddenly like you hit that point after years and years and years of effort that now you have more money than you did before. Right now you've reached that success point and you're like, now it's uncomfortable and you don't know what to do with it. And it's, you're like, I don't, I don't, I don't understand success. Right. It's the same kind of thing where you're like, I I was comfortable being broke and I was comfortable putting all my money back in my business. I was comfortable doing that. And now we have, you're in a different space and you don't know how to deal with it. Um, and you know, it's that same type of fear yes. fear of the unknown, I guess. Absolutely. It's, it's the fear. It's the fear of the unknown, you know, so that, that definitely. So I just know that, you know, 99% of the world is going to struggle with change, even little changes and, and you just, how you approach it and how you paint the picture, you, you have to be soft and you have to do a beach walk-in for other people because you and I are jumping yeah. in and they're not. <laughs> I feel I feel like this next question ties right in because I think it might be up the same same alley and it's about your common enemy, right? And so every superhero has their arch nemesis. It's something that you constantly have to fight against in your world, yeah. right? Um, and it takes a yeah. lot of forms, but generally speaking, it's a mindset or it's a flaw that your clients yeah. have, the people who come to you, that if you had your magic wand, which I saw you pull out and you could bop them on the head and not have to worry about that. What is your common enemy with your clients? Um, it's trust. It's so easy. It's trust. They don't trust that the solution will work. They don't trust that they are the CEO of their family, mental health, physical health. They don't trust. And they let fear creep in and say, but there's got to be a pill. Right. And they, you know, they don't get that even if there was a pill, you still have to change your behavior. So it's, it's really trusting, trusting me, trusting the process, trusting themselves. Yeah. So with that in mind, how do you help your clients overcome that lack of trust? 
you know, what I, what I try to do is paint the picture of what it could look like, but also to, to help them understand that their gut is telling them this is the direction they picked up the phone, they came in, they met with me. Um, and, you know, ultimately it's about, you know, helping them to see that what they were doing wasn't working. Right. And that inner voice is telling them that, and they've, they've, you know, this is, this is what they want. They want certain things for themselves. They want certain things for their family. And they've really got to point, you know, follow the research and follow their, their gut. So it's part of why I really do a lot of research and share research because, you know, so many people, they approach things with questions are so analytical, but ultimately it's about what are they feeling and what's in their heart. And when you're so stressed, you don't always easily connect inside. Um, but you know, it's, I always tell everybody, you know, listen, whatever you do, you've got to work on trusting yourself because you know, the answers, we all know the answers. We just get so afraid we want somebody to tell us, or we want somebody to show us, but it's, it's always within yourself. The signs are always there. And you need to just, when people do certain things, whether they work for you, work with you on their business or work with me on their mental health, you got to be in, you got to be all in. And, and it's gonna, it's going to be good for me. It's going to be okay. So everybody who comes to me, I say, it's going to be okay. Because when something's going on with your kid, boy, nothing else really seems to matter. And you're so afraid, Um, you know, and for people, again, I don't, I don't think public school is bad. Please know I'm not like knocking public school and looking down or whatever. I have so many kids I work with that do phenomenal in public school. Um, I came out of the public school system and I turned out great. So you me know. too. <laughs> I hated every minute of it. And then I, my kids are like, uh, my husband and I are such free thinkers. We're like, our kids can't. And we barely fit in on our block. You know, whenever somebody's like, you should join a country club. I'm like, oh, that's a reality show. Cause that I ain't lasting there. <laughs> you know, I'll be like, what are you serving? This is terrible. Why don't we have yoga? You know, <laughs> um, anyway, yeah. but everyone has to do what's right for them. And again, I don't judge people. Please know I'm only kidding around because we all need to laugh and um, everyone has to get joy in different ways. And, um, and if you love going to a country club and your buddies with Biff there, just embrace it. You know what I mean? So, um, but you know, for us, you know, our kids are kids that say no to things. And so they're just not rule followers. So they're not going to do well in a public school. And I don't mean no in a disrespectful way, but my kids are like, oh, you want me to do this writing assignment? Can you explain what it's about? Like, why do I have to do this? This is how my kids are. You know what I mean? And where they, you know, my one kid goes to school, the teacher's like, oh, this is part of this. And this is why we're doing it. And he's like, oh, okay. You know, that's great. You know, do you want me to help the other kids? You know, so he's just a really, now that he knows why. yeah, he's a thinker. He needs to know, he needs to understand, have, you know, and that's I have a, okay. I have, rule, I have a rule in my house um, that it, it's pretty simple for all my kids. And I was like, yeah. like I, um, and the rule is obey the first time. Um, and I was like, you, I was like, you, you, I, I expect you to obey when I tell you to do something or to work on an assignment or do any of those things. And I was like, but I'm not like an unquestionable authority, right? So if I say, if I yell stop, I expect you to stop because I see a truck that you don't see, right? Because I have a different perspective on life than you do. Um, but at the same time, you can turn around and be like, hey, dad, why'd you ask me to stop? And I'll tell you, 
right? So you can question everything I ever tell you. Just obey first. Yeah. Um, and when you get like older and you that. start That's cool, say, well, actually. Right. Yeah. My kids know um, like safety is paramount. So if I'm like, hey, you know, they know to do it because I'm not like that. So they're like, oh, she just told me, hey, you know, I heard my teenager telling another parent the other day, you know, my because I was swearing him and he was like, yeah, one swear, no big deal. Two swears, you better run. (laughs) And I was like, oh, that's so interesting that he picked that up on on me because I'm not like I'm not typically angry. So, you know, he knew in his mind, it's it's, it's the middle name, the middle name comes out. Oh, that's right. Uh, that's funny. So I want to talk about the, uh, the flip side of your common enemy. So if the common enemy is trust, that's what you fight against. The driving force is what you fight for, right? It's, uh, you know, just like Spider-Man fights to save New York or Batman yeah. fights to save Gotham or, you know, Google fights to index and categorize all the world's information. And now it's all of its people and everything else. Who knows what else they're categorizing? But what is it that you fight for in your business, in your practice, with yeah. your books? Well, I'm on a mission to change the way we view and treat mental health. I mean, that's what I talk about every day. And I want people to understand that there are natural solutions that work and that can really start changing things from them sometimes on day one. And I don't want them to be so stuck, you know, and so really that's what I'm fighting for. And I do all of this to, you know, start creating a ripple effect. Like whatever I speak, I try to say, can you, can, you know, if you're hearing this and you're resonating, take this podcast, share it with five people who you think it would make a difference because they're going to listen and they're going to share it with five people. And it, you know, we have to get the message out to people because kids are suffering. Parents are suffering. It's not okay. And until they actually take action, nothing is going to change. Um, and so that's, that's what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a good message too. All right. And I, I am of the firm belief that entrepreneurs are, you know, that's why we call it the hero show. They're changing the world. Um, and more people get their mind and their health, right. The more we can solve the world's problems. So. Absolutely. um, And boy, we'll be much happier. Yeah. Absolutely. So I want to talk about some practical things then, like just in, in that line of like actually making that happen. I'm, I call this section of the show, the hero's tool belt. Um, and just like every hero has their awesome gadgets, like batarangs or web slingers or, you know, magical hammers that they can spend and fly with. Um, I talk about top one or two tools you couldn't live without in your business. Could be anything, right? Could be like wide open. If you want to talk about, you know, your notepad or your calendar, your marketing tools, or maybe something that you actually, you know, a practical thing that you use to help people make that change on the first day. Um, something that's in your toolbox, your kit to yeah. help people do what, you, what it do. Yeah. I mean, so I would say that video is one of my top tools that I think every business owner should have in their toolkit, but I have it in my toolkit because this helps people to get your message and it helps people to get my message. And so by people listening, so whether it's a podcast or your, your video, this 
getting your voice out is critical. And, you know, this is how I reach people and help people. Um, and so that is definitely one of my top, top, top tools. And then the other top tool in, in my business that allows me to help a lot of people, I'm going to give you three, but the, the top tool is my technology. So we use brain-based technology like neurofeedback. And, you know, I'm just one of the top people in, you know, the world working with kids with neurofeedback. And that technology allows me to sometimes save people's lives. And so, because they're so depressed and whatnot, and I'm going to give you a third one. I'm a lover of everything G Suite. I'm a lover of <laughs> Google Docs and G Google Suite Sheets. The world. Oh my God. I mean, my Google Sheets, I am, have I have hundreds and hundreds of pieces of content and I'm very organized. Um, I'm a different kind of entrepreneur. I'm like super high on, I'm a fast action taker, but I'm high on fact finding if anybody's done a Colby. And I'm also really organized because I have a Virgo rising. And, um, and I just, I think it's been transformative. And if you aren't using Google and G Suite, you know, just, G, and, you know, it's transformative in your daily life. And it allows me to do more so I can spend more time with my patients. Um, it allows me to better communicate and work with my team. Um, it's awesome. I love it. It's awesome. I don't know what we did with before. I hate when they make me, my book editor makes me use Microsoft Word. I'm like, really? I'm like I don't open the document and then make changes and then email it back to you. And then you make <sighs> changes two copies of the document and in our life, you know, it just, yeah, she's always sending it back to me like that. And I'm like, well, we, we use the shared thing, you know, not, you know, so it's <laughs> awesome. It's awesome. So, I love it. so I have, I have a question about the second tool you mentioned, which yeah. is what well, you called it. Neuro, neuro what? neurofeedback, neurofeedback, neurofeedback. So what is that? Is that yeah. something like you, like you matrix, you plug it into your brain kind of thing? Pretty much. No. <laughs> so <laughs> neurofeedback is technology that allows the brain to regulate and how, how it does it is it um, is through a process of measurement and reinforcement. We have technology that you put sensors typically on your ears and on one part, one or two places on your head. And um, it gives the person feedback every time they produce a healthy combination of brainwaves. And so within two to three seconds of a person doing neurofeedback, they're going to get the, their brain's going to literally produce the exact healthy combination. So somebody who's focused all of a sudden becomes focused in two to three seconds and the feedback is a movie playing. So the movie won't play if you don't produce this healthy combination of brainwaves. And it's used for everything from ADD to concussions to anxiety, OCD. And we treat a lot of clinical issues, but we also just do peak performance training. So, you know, I get executives who are like, what do you mean you wrote four books in four months? And I'm like, well, I've done a hundred sessions of neurofeedback. And it allows you to go to a higher level of consciousness. And really what it does is it allows you to have more neural connections, more neural networks. And that's what Einstein had. Einstein had a genetic defect that allowed him to have 400 times the amount of neural networks. So um, you can develop those. You can develop those and neurofeedback does it. It's so, pretty so amazing. Here's, 
here's my curiosity then. Yeah. People who are listening to the show are like, I need to get started on neurofeedback. Is that like something you go down to Target and you pick up a neurofeedback? No, 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 no. So I so I work with people remotely. There's two ways people work with me. They either drive to my center, and sometimes people are like six or seven hours away and they drive and I brain map them. Or like my people, I have somebody in Saudi Arabia, Arabia and um China right now. And um and you got to be in a decent time zone. I don't know if I'll do China again, but <laughs> Hong Kong. Um, but uh, we do what's called a brain check where we do statistical measurement and we do averages. And then I know where to, to train the brain. You got to know where the functioning is in the brain. So we know exactly what the brain does. Um, and so we can say, oh, this area is overworking and this area is underworking. And then we know where to train it. Um, and then... I mail people equipment or they pick up equipment and they're using their equipment remotely. Some people do, do are close enough um, to drive in. Like we're not far from New York city. So people come from New York city all the time. Um, really fascinating. So fascinating. And you need to do at least 20 sessions or it's a waste of your time because the brain is rigid and needs time to learn. And it wants to be in its cozy set point, its homeostasis, whether it's healthy or not. But um, it's pretty, I mean, this is why the astronauts are mandated to do it before they go to space. And even though a lot of athletes start doing it because of the concussion, you can just get to this whole other level of consciousness. It's pretty, pretty incredible. Like it's hard for me to describe to people. And then when I get like an executive and they do it, they're like, Oh my God, Roseanne, it's just exactly what you said. Like you feel like everybody else is in slow-mo and I'm like, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like, and you just, you you get, what's great is it's calm focus. So you're not jacked up. You're just processing very efficiently. So I always try to say to people, you might have one good highway or two good highways. You're now going to have 50 good highways. So no matter where the traffic is, you can go around it. And in one of them, uh, maybe 10 of them are the Autobahn. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it just gets that clarity in the connection. You have a lot more aha moments. So when you say like, like, it's like the matrix and you, you know, d- downloads, I'm not kidding. There are many, many times, like I'm doing a class right now. And my friends are like, we went to the same training and I'm like, yeah, but I do neurofeedback, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you're like but i plugged it straight into my brain through the matrix you did like, come on and they're like you even have notes for us and i'm like listen to me this was not who i was like i was always smart but i was definitely a bored bored student in high school and i literally went through four years of high school and never had more than a four-day school week so i just found a way to get out of it was just boring but it's okay i don't recommend that I'm not saying that it was the 80s and you could do that in the 80s. You I, can't I do also, that. I also found it uh, boring, but yeah. um, I I went all the time, but um, I I hacked it. So I uh, I was like running businesses and buying candy and selling it on, on campus and doing other things. Oh, you were the candy uh, seller. Was a candy seller. And like when we had the uh, Renaissance Fair, um, I signed up for the water cart because I knew I could make money doing that one. Um, and because I didn't care about the Renaissance Fair, I wanted to make money. Um, so that's where, that's where I was at in high school. And I was like, all of my, my group of friends were like the valedictorian and the salutatorian. And like, like that was, I was with the Uber nerds, um, yeah. and I was Uber nerdy, but like my GPA was like a 3.2. Yeah. That <laughs> wasn't like, terrible. Trust me. No, it wasn't, it wasn't bad. Um, it was just like, it was just enough that my dad was happy. 
Um, because I was like, I needed to make him happy, but I didn't want to do all the work. So I was like, yeah. you know, and I was at a college prep school. So it was like one of those, those schools where they gave you the whole curric- course curriculum at the beginning of the year with all the valuations on it. And I'd like look at it and I'd be like, so you're telling me this project is worth 80% of my grade. And if I do that project and these two other assignments, I've got an A minus. I'm like, Bam, and then, done. boom, I'll do those three things and I won't pay attention to anything else. <laughs> so. Yeah. So my friends oh, would always clever. be mad at me. They're like, they're like, we work 10 times as hard as you and your grades are almost as good as ours. And I was like, they gave you the thing at the beginning. It was just, but you were a problem solver. That's what it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Call it a minimalist, yeah. but no, I say it's a problem solver. Wherever that is. That's what, yeah. So anyways, I had a similar thing. I didn't pay a lot of attention in school because yeah. um, I was bored and I had other things I yeah. wanted to do. And now a quick word from our show's sponsor. Hey there, fellow podcaster. Having a weekly audio and video show on all the major online networks that builds your brand, creates fame, and drives sales for your business doesn't have to be hard. I know it feels that way because you've tried managing your show internally and realize how resource intensive it can be. You felt the pain of pouring eight to 10 hours of work into just getting one hour of content published and promoted all over the place. You see the drain on your resources, but you do it anyways because you know how powerful it is. Heck, you've probably even tried some of those automated solutions and ended up with stuff that makes your brand look cheesy and cheap. That's not helping grow your business. Don't give up though. The struggle ends now. Introducing Push Button Podcasts, a done-for-you service that will help you get your show out every single week without you lifting a finger after you've pushed that stop record button. We handle everything else, uploading, editing, transcribing, writing, research, graphics, publication, and promotion, all done by real humans who know, understand, and care about your brand almost as much as you do. Empowered by our own proprietary technology, our team will let you get back to doing what you love while we handle the rest. Check us out at pushbuttonpodcast.com forward slash hero for 10% off the lifetime of your service with us and see the power of having an audio and video podcast growing and driving micro-celebrity status and business in your niche without you having to lift more than a finger to push that stop record button. Again, that's pushbuttonpodcast.com forward slash hero. See you there. And now, back to the Hero Show. I have a couple more questions for you before we roll up this interview. Um, and so the next one is about your, your own personal heroes. Um, and just like, you know, every hero has their mentors. Frodo yeah. had Gandalf. Robert Kiyosaki had his rich dad. Um, you know, uh, Spider-Man had his Uncle Ben. Who are some of your heroes? Were they, you know, peers or a couple of years ahead of you? Teachers, authors, you know, parents, grandparents, friends? Yeah. Um, and how important were they to what you've accomplished? Yeah. I mean, I certainly my parents being immigrants and um, just never like they're just ballsy. They're like, this is just the way it is. Like they they taught me that there were no limits. And um, until I went to college and people try to put limits on me, I was like, what do you mean you tell me a girl can't do that? I don't think so. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's so funny. Um, and they certainly and then um, I actually got to meet her last year, Oprah. So Oprah is definitely my mental health hero. She brought conversations into everybody's homes about really difficult subjects, like from child molestation to AIDS, to rape, to anxiety and depression and things like that. And it, she brought it into such a way that people became, it became comfortable talking about it. And I think she, she brought mental health, like 
leap years ahead um, by her. And so it was pretty awesome that I got to meet her and I got a picture with her. If you, you, you Google my name, you know, Dr. Roseanne Kapanahaj, you'll see a picture of me with Oprah. Um, so I would say that. And, and, you know, honestly, I'm in a place where, you know, I'm in this really cool uh, mastermind with JJ Virgin and, um, yeah, and so, yeah, of course you do. She's like the grand dame of uh, digital wellness. I mean, she's been in wellness for 20 yeah, years. She, she works with uh, um, someone that's in my space. Uh, Mike Koenig's worked with him for a long time. Yeah. So, I mean, she's a four times New York bestselling author. I mean, she's a friend now. And I would say that my being with my peers in that group has been just heart fulfilling for me because it's really just been a validation that you can be a really nice person who's a go-giver, who's just mission driven and, um, and achieve a lot in life, you know? And so I get to be with other people who are go-givers. And, and it's just been one of the best things that has ever happened to me is to be with so many other people who have their own health missions, but just are such kind, caring people. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it always strikes me how, um, how the people that we consider heroes in our lives and are always like people that if you went and ask them to be like, Hey, did you know that you were Dr. Roseanne's hero? They wouldn't be like, yeah, of course I know I was her hero. Right. Um, and it's, they're, they're just people who are living their lives um, and their impact that they have on you is, is it's, it's, uh, it's incredible. And so it always just reminds me to be the kind of person that's worthy of being someone else's hero. Yeah. Because who knows? Well, you who can. Who knows who's you, looking up to me? I say this all the time. You can never go wrong by doing the right thing. And, you know, I try to go out of my way to be kind to people because I've learned that people can look like it's all okay, but in the inside it's hard. And so I have just been struck like by how many people that have said to me, you know, that I am so touched by you that you, you went and did this. And, you know, in my mastermind, the first year I got the go-giver award and I was like, this is amazing. Like I got the nicest person award really, you know? And I was like, oh my God, that's so awesome. You know what I mean? So I also got the mover and shaker award, but you know, so, you know, it is, we do have an impact on people. So just like go out of your way to be kind to people. Oh my God, people are so distressed right now. And it has such a reciprocal, you know, like a ripple effect. Um, and you have that power. Absolutely. So as we wrap up the interview, I want to talk about one more thing, which is your guiding principles. Right. And one of the things that makes heroes heroic is that they live by a code, right? For instance, Batman never kills his enemies. He only ever puts them in Arkham Asylum. Um, so as we sort of wrap up, I want to talk about the top maybe one or two principles that you live your life by. Um, maybe something you wish you knew when you first started out on your own hero's journey. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to tell you that I am very blessed with having knowing about things, like having a sense of download, divine downloads. Um, and so I have always had, you know, just a purposeful kind of like, yeah, that's just the way it is. So, so I would say one of my guiding principles is if it's not a, um, a hell yes, it's a hell no. And I think that's one of the things that entrepreneurs really struggle with as they want to, like, everything's an opportunity. Everything is, oh, need yes, to please people. I struggle yeah. with that a lot. 
Yeah. And I, and I very blessed because my parents really kind of like, again, when you learn to, when you parent your kids to be independent, they really get a strong sense of self. And if you're, if, you know, so that, that is really important. And, and I think I've really come to love what I said that, you know, you can never go wrong by doing the right thing. And just, I've really come to about value integrity as the most important thing for the people in my life. And, the team members I have. It's, it's a deal breaker in the interview process. Like how do people describe integrity? And, um, you know, it's just so, so important. Um, and when you're a leader and you have a business, you know, there's times when you get burned by people. And so I just really have tried to keep people, I not tried, I only have people with high integrity in my life. Um, and so it all starts with, you know, are you doing the right thing? Right. And you're going to magnetize those people to you. So the, those are my those are my guiding principles. And you often hear me say both of those things multiple times in a day. Yeah. And I, I always like the, the mental picture I have for integrity is uh, is just like straight out of the dictionary definition. Like integrity is something that you can lean on and it stays there. Right. Like your your wall, your house, your chair. Yeah. Like if you sit on the chair, it has integrity if it stays a chair when you sit on it. Right. right. Like memory foam mattresses don't have integrity like they sink in. <laughs> <laughs> and like it's you know uh, which is good if you're sleeping but not if you're I was like I love it I love yeah, my memory yeah, they're nice they're nice when you uh when you're sleeping on them but so anyways it's just in my in my head I was like I want to be the kind of person that someone else can always lean on can, can that's trust right to be there, absolutely right and do what you say you're going to do you're going to be there when you say yeah. you're going to be there and you know when excuse my French when the shit goes down I know who to call absolutely because right? you'll be absolutely there. and on the entrepreneur journey you're, you know, you're an entrepreneur means you're a leader, right? And so, you know, as you shift, as you grow, as you bring wealth, as you have success and notoriety, you're, you're going to see change around you. And sometimes people can't handle that. Um, And, you know, and you wish them well, you, you, you give them good intentions and blessings and you move on because always remember it's about them and not you. Um, and so that's been one of the hardest things. And that's why I really am like moved in a completely different direction with um, not that I didn't have, you know, but it's that change component. There's so many components to it, but it's important. Integrity is a really important thing. When I think of the best people in my life, they just have super high integrity They're They say what they do exactly what it is. And they're so trustworthy. Like they're just good yeah. people. Like who can you call at midnight? You know what I'm saying? Like they're that kind of people because I'm the person that you call when you want to bury a body. I'm that friend. And I only want those kind of people in my life. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not Um, recommending you kill anybody, but you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Yeah. But you know who to call, right? You know who you would call if you need to bury bury a body. (laughs) Yeah. So I think that's a great place to wrap the interview, (laughs) but. But before we do that, I do finish every one of my interviews with a simple challenge. I call it the hero's challenge. Um, And I do this mostly as a selfish thing to help get access to stories I might not find otherwise, because not everyone is out doing the podcast rounds, right? And so my question is simple. Do you have someone in your life or in your network that you think has a cool entrepreneurial story? Who are they? First names are fine. And why do you think they should come share their story on our show? First person that comes to mind for you. Oh, my girlfriend, Shelly. So um, she's from Shelly Gaweth. 
She is from New Zealand. I'm going to introduce you her. And I just think she's a hero because um, at 27, she had 500 employees in the financial industry and um, she fell apart physically and she could, I'll let you tell her story, but she could only stay awake 10 minutes a day. And her doctors told her parents, you know, she's good. She's, we don't know what's wrong with her, but she's probably going to die. You're just going to have to let her go. And they were like, this is ridiculous. So fast forward, you know, she is the picture of health. She said, that's not okay. And she became a functional nutritionist in a country where, you know, they're just not integrative nutrition is like almost like a new concept for them. And she changed her whole life and her whole career. Um, and so she, and she's an amazing entrepreneur. So, um, you know, she's really cool thing. She took a, she really took a dark time and not only healed herself, but made a career out of it. Yeah, that'd be awesome. I look forward to uh, an yeah. introduction. Hopefully she'll say yes and come on the show. Oh, she'll say <laughs> yes. She's my bestie. <laughs> So not everyone does. Sometimes we're like, yeah, they're not very sad. But oh, so my you, friends you are the kind cool. of friends. Don't forget my friends. I just have to ask. And they say, of course, like yeah, they're course. just they'll, that kind of friend. Body on the <laughs> <laughs> uh, so in comic books, there's always the crowd of people who are at the end cheering and clapping for the acts of heroism. So analogous to that on this show is to find out where can people light up the bat signal, so to speak. And get you to come in and help them with either their mental health or their children's mental health, or maybe if they want to try out some of the uh, the the matrix stuff you were talking about with the brain. Yeah, neurofeedback. Uh, neurofeedback. I'll get the name eventually, but the neurofeedback. Where can they go if they want to find yeah. out more about you, more about those services, um, and who are the right types of people to reach out and ask for your help? Yeah. So, um, so the right type of people. We'll start with that. So you can be somebody who just wants to optimize your brain and body. You can be somebody who has a clinical issue like OCD, and this could be you or your kid, you know, anxiety, depression, pants, pandas, whatever's going on. And, you know, you want to avoid medication or, you know, it's not working and you really want to change the trajectory of your child's life. This is a solution that is so ridiculously effective, tens of thousands of studies. Um, so that's who it is, you know, and, and I love my special needs parents, you know, so, and so where can you find me? Dr. Roseanne everywhere. And that's D-R-R-O-S-E-A-N-N, no E at the end. And that's .com. That's on TikTok, YouTube, uh, Instagram, Facebook, I'm Dr. Roseanne Kapana Hodge, but you can find me there. And I also have an awesome kids community. Uh, I'm a, par- a community for parents called Raising Successful Kids. And you can go to getunstuckprogram.com for that. But it's all on my website. You can go to drroseanne.com. It's all there. So um, if you are in that space, especially if you're, you know, if you're interested, like I am in some of the peak performance stuff, I'm going to be following with you a little bit to learn more about that. Yeah. Um, if you're, but if you're listening to this and you're, you're in that space, definitely take the time to reach out to Roseanne. Um, and again, thank you so much for coming on today. It's been a pleasure hearing your story and getting to chat with you a little bit about, um, about all the stuff that you do. So again, thank you very much for coming on today. And do you have any final words of wisdom for my audience before I hit this uh, stop record button? Yeah. I mean, you know, I say it's going to be okay to everybody for a reason. So if you're struggling, just know it's going to be okay. Look to natural solutions to change your own mental health, your child's mental health, and you will notice a difference quickly. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on again. 